All right, folks. The UFC portion of the podcast. That's right. The third ever UFC portion of the podcast. Um, hasn't been so hot lately. I mean, the, the first uh, uh, the first card of the year, it, it wasn't that bad. I, I think we, we cut around uh, even. Uh, Max Holloway really came to save the day at the last minute there. Uh, but you know what? That last uh, uh, that last one we had this Wednesday, I, I had one out there, Neil Magny. I liked the line. But you know what? I, I should have kept riding the Chiesa train. I, I had success with him in the past, and wow, he just came out and did exactly what he's been doing this whole time. And that's just absolutely control the grappling. So we're down a unit. We're looking to make that back this, uh, this card. What do we got on tap? UFC 257. The rematch between Conor McGregor against Dustin Poirier. Oh, should be a doozy. T-Man, I'm not going to lie, buddy. Um, Wednesday, I, put some, I made a little parlay. I threw uh, Magni in there just for fucking shits and gigs. And uh, you know what? That really fucking came back to bite me. So. You know what? It, it, it uh, Yeah, you hate to see that. You really do. And what frustrated me the most about that fight was that I felt going in that you know what? I and I said it on the podcast. I said Michael Chiesa will probably win the first round. But yeah, then you did. You he, actually did. And then you, I remember you. We discussed it after round one, and yeah, you were right there. Like Chiesa took the first round, no and, question about it. And the, what frustrated me the most was Neil Magny just kept going back to the grappling exchanges. He had moments where he would just start wrestling with uh, Michael. And, and Michael is the far superior grappler. He's going to be able to reverse you on the ground. He's going to be able to get on top. And that's exactly what happened. I really thought he was going to stand back more and just keep Chiesa at the end of the jab. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't. And you know what? That was probably comes down to Michael Chiesa's uh, work as just frustrating him with the grappling and just continuing that pressure. Yeah. Um, good win by him. I like his call out of Colby Covington. We'll see what ends up happening with Michael Chiesa. He's looking good right now. That was a huge win to get over Neil Magny. And you know what? He Next up, he's due for some top upper echelon you competition. You think he gets Col- Colby? You know what? Uh, Colby's in a weird Would spot. Would Colby want to fight this guy? No. Col- no Col- Colby wants something bigger. Yeah, Col- Colby wants a, a, a one fight and then a title shot type yeah, deal. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, and you know what? I, there's been rumors about who Colby's going to fight. There was a discussion of uh, him fighting Jorge Masvidal. That'd be a great fight. Um, I don't think Chiesa, Chiesa is a big enough a big enough name. Yeah, we'll, we'll see who they they put up uh, against Michael Chiesa. I'm not can't think of anybody off the top of my head. I, I'm trying to picture the rankings. Uh, but either way, big win for him. We'll see what he can do. We've got a few fights to discuss now for UFC 257. Obviously, we're going to discuss the Conor McGregor and Dusty, Dustin Poirier fight. Uh, but that'll be the last one we discuss. Yeah, so the first one we're going to discuss here, uh, I think you were looking at uh, Khalil Roundtree versus Marcin uh, Pracino. Yes, that's right. Khalil Roundtree against Marcin Pracino. So here, here's the deal with where I'm leaning. I'm leaning Khalil Roundtree. Okay, I, he's he's the favorite, right? I feel very confident in Khalil Roundtree, but here here is the thing. Okay, he is a massive favorite. So where's the value? Is what you're going to tell us? And, right? and you know what? We're we're going to get greasy. I'm down in Union. I got to make it back. Are you making this an official play, T-Man? You know what? I ah, uh, it, it's a risky bet. It's a risky bet. But you know what? I'm feeling good about it. And something that I'm actually going to bet. So you know what? Would you, I, put, I, would you put half a unit down? On and this? and that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm gonna put half a unit. Okay. On this. I'm gonna put half a unit. Let Let's enter Mar- Marcin Pacino. So this gentleman comes from One FC, which for folks that don't know, One FC is sort of the Asian version of the UFC. Um, it's quite large over in Asia. Um, they have good fighters over there. He was actually the light heavyweight champ over there. 
Comes over to the UFC back in 2018, February 24th. He fights Sam Alvey. Gets KO'd in the first round. Isn't Sam Alvey the math teacher? Sam Alvey is the teacher. Yes, that is correct. That's unbelievable. So the, the tale continues. He then fights Mohagomed Ankalaev. First round, KO in Moscow, Russia. Three minutes into the fight. He then fights Mike Rodriguez. Again, gets KO'd two minutes into the fight. Marson just cannot seem to take the power of most UFC light heavyweights. So I, I gotta, I kind of know where you're going with this. Exactly. Enter Khalil Roundtree. Khalil Roundtree, um, you know what? He had some good wins. He he took on Gokan Saki in a fight that nobody thought he really had a chance, simply because Gokan Saki was a, an amazing kickboxer. He ends up knocking him out in the first round. He fights Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker was a name that had a lot of hype behind it in the light heavyweight division. Johnny Walker KOs Khalil Roundtree in the first round. Khalil goes off and moves out to Thailand. He goes and starts training with Tiger Muay Thai. He reinvents himself. He comes back and fights Eric Anders. He absolutely obliterates Eric Anders. His striking looks reinvented. He already packed a lot of power and a lot of punch before, but now he has so much more grace and technique behind it. He fights out of a high Muay Thai stance, which for those people that don't know, Muay Thai is kickboxing using elbows, knees, punches. It's called the, the art of eight limbs. He fights Eon Kutabella right after that, and he gets he loses in the first round. But that's simply because Eon starts off on the feet, tastes a little bit of Khalil's power, immediately starts shooting takedowns. He wants none of it standing. Here's the thing. Marcin Prechnio, all his fights, I'm, I've never been really impressed with his striking, but he's extremely aggressive. He's going to get clipped here. And that's when he gets KO'd. And you know what? The one thing you can say about Khalil, the, the, smart game plan against, uh, the smart game plan against Khalil is to go in and start shooting takedowns. Because then he starts to worry. He has to put his guard down, and he can't really get off on like he wants to with his Muay Thai techniques. Marston's not going to do that. He's going to stand and bang, and honestly, he's going to get caught. He just can't take the level of competition that he has, that, sorry, the UFC has to offer. Because of that, he's going to get knocked out. Now, you're thinking, well, T-Man, why would I even take that? Because let me tell you, Khalil Roundtree to win by KO was minus 200. Well, this is the thing. I'm going to bet the round. And I'll tell you what, I'm taking Khalil Roundtree to win in round one at plus 100. Okay, so T-Man, I look at the odds here. I see Khalil Roundtree to win by KO. Sorry. is it No, just to win in round two and three at six odds and 15 odds, respectively. But then I look at round one, and it's 2.0, so plus 100. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Like, this guy is literally – the fight is supposed to end in the first round. That's what they're saying here. And you know what? That's what I think is going to happen. Okay. I, I think Marcin is just not going to be able to take the power that Khalil you know has. What? I like this half unit you're throwing down here. And, I really do. I think that's a uh, that's a great quality bet here. And, and you know what? you got to be a bit ballsy sometimes. And, and this, is, this is a bet that I can say it is a little bit ballsy. But you know what? I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Marston is just not going to be able to take the power of Khalil. So you're pretty confident then in a Khalil Roundtree win in a parlay for, say, if he was a parlay piece? Yes, I, I do feel confident. And you know what? I normally don't say that for these heavier divisions. The light heavyweights, obviously, they pack some power. And as soon as you get to light heavyweight or heavyweight, it's really anyone's chance. Yeah. But Marston has showed me nothing. Yeah. He's showed me absolutely nothing in the UFC that shows me that he is an extreme threat. He had some great wins back in 1FC, but the level of competition is completely different. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. 
I like that play. I like uh, where you're going there uh, with the uh, the round betting. I can get a I can get onto that. Hundred percent. All right, team man. So uh, after discussing that one, we're moving on to Brad Tavares versus Antonio Carlos Jr. Awesome. Talk to me about this one. Where where do we see? We got odds at one point seven two for Tavares, and uh, Carlos Jr. looks looking at about two point ten. So uh, where where are we finding value in this fight? All right, so I'll tell you what. This is not going to be an official play. Okay. But there's a good chance that I might bet this. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tweet about this when the time comes. Yeah. We're going with the underdog, oh, Antonio taking... Carlos Jr. Oh, we're taking ACJ. Okay. So 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 here's my thought process here. Brad Tavares, last two fights, he fights Edmund Shabazian, gets head kick KO'd about halfway through the first round. Just did, was not a good fight for him. Prior to that, Brad Tavares had fought Israel Adesanya went the distance with Israel in a five-round affair. Two fighters that he recently take, took losses to, that there's nothing wrong with taking losses to them. Th- both those guys are tough competitions. Antonio Carlos Jr., what I've seen out of him as of late, I've actually been somewhat impressed with. He's on a two-fight losing streak. He lost at Uriah Hall recently. Previously, he had lost to Ian Heinish. But he has the skills to make this a frustrating fight. Let me tell you how I view this playing out. Brad Tavares has never been a power puncher. He's been more of a volume guy. But even then, he I have never found him that aggressive. He throws one-twos down the pipe, uh, never gets that crazy in following up with his opponent. And you know what? It shows when you look at his record. He's been fighting in the UFC since 2010. He has won two wins by actually finishing a fight. Two wins. That's He just does not have high finishing power. Okay. Antonio Carlos Jr. and that because of that will not have to worry too much about the power that Brad Tavares is going to bring. Antonio Carlos Jr. Make, will make it a wrestling heavy affair. In his past few fights, we've seen him clinch up against his opponents against the fence, use a body lock, take them down. And when he is on the ground, let me tell you, he is a submission or a, a grappling expert. It's incredible what this guy does. In fact, to get into the UFC, he used to be a heavyweight. He fought on the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, ends up dropping down to light heavyweight, and then finally returns to middleweight. So that's two weight classes he drops. How does he do so well in those upper weight classes? Because he's a wrestling feet, sorry, a grappling phenom. Mm-hmm. Gets the opponents to the mat and just simply strangles them. He's had some issues with his cardio in the Ian Heinish fight, which was his loss back in 2019, May 18th, 2019. Yep. That was a bit of a concern. But going into the Uriah Hall fight, his most recent loss, he realized that he needed to address it. And frankly, that was an extremely close fight that upon rewatching it, I had thought that he had beaten Uriah Hall. The real difference there was that Uriah Hall has power. He was able to drop uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. at one point. Brad Tavares won't have this. So what I'm thinking is going to happen, this is going to be a wrestling affair. He's going to keep Brad Tavares pinned against the fence, take him down every so often. On the feet, Antonio is not the greatest, but he throws out a straight jab. His striking seems to frustrate people because of how unorthodox it is. I could see him winning a grimy three-round decision. It might even be a split decision. And I could see this type of fight where he wins and there's people upset thinking that they went the other way around. But the one thing I've noticed about his fights, he at one point will get a takedown. And it's usually in the first round. He'll spend a significant amount of time. He's going to win a round. Yeah. It's a matter of the second one. Exactly. I could see it going 1-1 into the third. Because of that, he has a shot. He is an underdog. I like that. Brad Tavares has been out for a little bit. He hasn't fought since November 2019. Prior to that, he had fought July 6, 2018. We just really haven't seen as much activity out of there. I could see a world where he comes out a little bit slow. If he does, 
Antonio Carlos Jr.'s a perfect time to capitalize on. Okay, so you're leaning this uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. to win at 2.1. You're going to talk about it if you're going to make it an official play uh, via Twitter. Is that uh, that correct? Is that where your your head's at here? That is correct. Now, you did mention uh, Carlos Jr. to win, and you think it might go to the decision. You know what? I, I could see a world where it goes to the decision. I'm hesitant though because again, he is a grappling expert. Yep. I do tend to I tend to think that Brad Tavares trains with good enough opponents on a regular basis that anything that grappling wise Carlos Jr. throws yep. at him, he'll be able to deal with. If that is the case, I 100% agree that it probably will go to a decision. Yeah. And you know what? I love the odds there. Yeah, because I, I, I was just looking at that 4.33 for a um, Carlos Jr. win by decision. So. Um, if you're kind of risky and you want to throw something out there, uh, would would you suggest maybe something like that? It, you know, it's a risky play, but if you want to take that risk, if you, if you want to watch this fight with a little bit more uh, on the edge of your seat, yeah, that that's not something I would be upset with taking. Awesome, that's uh, that's good to hear. I like uh, I like when we find uh, value like that uh, in, in individuals, especially in fighting. So, um, yeah, no, we'll. Uh, that's two fights down, and uh, I guess we'll uh, move on to the third one. All right, so the co-main event, we're looking at Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler. Now, Dan Hooker, pretty good fighter. I mean, I've watched him a few times. He, he's had some solid solid bouts, uh, and he's valued here at 1.72. I mean, those are pretty good odds for, for a guy like him. So, uh, I mean, tell me where the value is here, T-Man. What are you thinking? All right. So Dan Hooker, Michael Chandler, this is a tough one, extremely tough. Um, I'm gonna lean Hooker here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I am leaning Hooker. I think last time I checked, it was a pick'em. Yeah. Okay. Now here, hold on. Before you move forward, are yeah. you leaning Hooker because of his recent tilts? I'm leaning Hooker because of his overall experience. Okay. So here's the deal, Michael Chandler. This is going to be his first UFC fight. So for people that don't know, and they're thinking, why would you give somebody who's first UFC fight a co-main event spot? He was the former Bellator lightweight world champion. So Bellator is the rival of the UFC. Uh, they've been trying to get Michael Chandler over here for the past little bit. And every time his contracts come up for renewal, he's always renewed with Bellator. Now, he's finally decided to come over to the UFC. He claims in interviews that it's, as a result of stagnation, he didn't see growth in Bellator and he wants to challenge himself against the upper echelon of the world, which that he claims the UFC has. Some might argue that it's because he has recently taken a loss to Patricio Ferreira, meaning he lost his Bellator lightweight world championship and that he was in a worse position to renegotiate the contract. It doesn't matter. His last two wins were great. He fought former lightweight champion of the UFC, Benson Henderson, KO'd him in the first round. He also fought Sidney Outlaw and KO'd him in the first round. Here's Michael Chandler. He is a strong wrestler and a freak athlete, absolute freak, who's got a great double leg and a massive overhand. All right? He's going to have some power. He's going to have power over Hooker. Where I'm banking on Hooker is going to be the size discrepancy. Hooker's extremely tall. He's going to have a good reach advantage on Michael Chandler. I think he has about eight or seven inches of striking. One thing I like about Dan Hooker is when he throws punches, he will throw them straight up the middle. If you're throwing loopy punches, it negates your reach a little bit, right? T-Man, tell who did 
Dan Hooker recently? Dustin fight? Poirier. Okay, and he I'm, looked good. Oh, he looked unbelievable. First, and it's arguable. First two rounds, uh, Dan Hooker won. Yeah. So he was two rounds to, to up against Poirier. Poirier, though, he's the diamond for a reason. He comes back. He battles back, and that was a very close fight. I I believe honestly, I had Dustin Poirier, and I remember in the fifth round thinking, holy shit, like that, that this is just way too close for comfort. Were you nervous after two rounds? Oh, I was extremely nervous. Yeah. Dan Hooker <laughs> is an incredible fighter. And you know what? I love the team he fights out of. He fights out of uh, city kickboxing. Okay. Um, they are the, uh, that is where Israel Adesanya fights out of. And that's where Alexander Volkanovsky also trains out of. Uh, they're just a great group of guys down there. Extremely smart as well. And I think that's going to be a key component to this fight. Um, he's going to need to be smart. To be honest, I th- people have talked about Chandler having a little bit of a uh, chin issue as of late. Now that he's a little bit older, he su- succumbs to shots a little bit easier. I, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I can see this going the distance. I really can. Okay. I can see this being a war. I think Chandler's smartest game plan that he could do would be to strike and wrestle. But I think because it's the UFC, it's the Conor McGregor card. Khabib's talked about, if you look impressive, I'll give you a shot. Connor wants that next title shot. Yeah. I feel like he's going to want to put on one for the fans. I think it's going to be a striking fest. As a result, it's probably not the greatest idea for him because I think he should mix everything up. I think Dan Hooker would be more than happy to welcome a striking affair. So I'm leaning Hooker, um, but it's not a super confident one. Yeah. But I again, I'm leaning Hooker. Okay, perfect. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've arrived. The main event the the fight we've all been waiting for for countless amount of weeks here um yeah so i don't even know where to be I mean, we got dustin poirier we got conor mcgregor t-man go off on this one tell the fans what they want to hear okay i've been thinking about this fight for just running scenarios in my mind you gotta understand what before i get on this i immediately i always have an initial thought of who's gonna win yeah. but here's the thing it doesn't matter who who you think's gonna win it doesn't even matter saying if you get it right who's gonna win you gotta find value you got to find spots where you can bet. Yeah. And, so before you move on here, T-Man, I just want to give the, the value out here. Dustin Poirier to win is 3.5 and, and McGregor is 1.3. So if, yeah. obviously if you're going to take McGregor, you got to do it somewhere else because there's no value in just a straight up win. Mm-hmm. So talk to us. All right. Um, so I should start off by saying where I'm leaning. I'm leaning Conor McGregor. Yeah. Um, give you a quick synopsis of a why. Uh, I think Dustin Poirier is the type of fighter that Conor McGregor is built for. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Dustin Poirier's ability to take punches and just absolutely going through the ringer as of late in all these fights. Uh, but really it comes down to Conor McGregor's style is just, he's built to fight these guys who are just, um, boxers or who are going to move in on him. Conor McGregor's whole style is he'll jab at you. He'll throw kicks. He wants you to react. And as soon as you react and you come in on him, he's going to crack you with his left hand. Yeah, it's just it, it, he has incredible power. Beautiful, it, it really is. And you know what? Uh, Teddy Atlas, who is a, a boxing coach, um, once said that it's the punch that you don't see coming that knocks you out. And Conor McGregor blends that perfect world of he has extremely good power along with he's a very tricky fighter. Yeah, he's great at setting traps, and he, he throws punches at you that you don't see coming. He knocked out Dustin Poirier. Remember, this is a rematch. He knocked out Dustin Poirier in the first round. Yes, of their last rematch. Yeah. How long ago was that? What uh, year? You, you know what? Oh, fuck, you're putting me on the spot here. I don't have it pulled up. Okay. Just give me a second. Dustin Poirier. So he fights Dustin Poirier back in 2014. 2014, yeah. T-Man. 2014. It's been a while. What has changed over seven and, years? And you know what? A lot has changed. Obviously, they've changed weight classes. They fought last at one featherweight, which is 145. Uh, Dustin Poirier has a lot more fight experience than Connor 
since then. Yeah. He's really gone on a tear. And you know what? He accredits Conor McGregor as being the reason he reinvents himself. He's very similar in a lot of ways that he, when he used to fight Conor, but he, he's also made a lot of improvements specifically to his striking. He's a lot more calm and relaxed before he would just bum rush opponents. Yeah. Just throw just incredible volume. He still has a bit of that, but now he's a lot more calm. He chooses his shots a bit better. So, so here's the thing. Uh, let, let, let's, let's, uh, stop talking about that. Let's start talking about where we can see a little bit of value. Um, Con- the Conor McGregor KO, which is, oh, I totally agree with it. It's done. You, you can't find much value there. Yeah. I think I you're mean, looking at 1.5 there it, again. So exactly. Uh, not I, much there, right? It, it, not much. Um, and you know what? I, I even think that if you look round by round, I think the first round it's, it's incredible. Like, yeah, 2.6. And that's the, uh, you know, that's, that's the best uh, odds in, in per se for what the, what the odds makers are thinking. Right. So yeah. um, round two is you're looking at 4.75. So there's a bit more value there, but uh, like I said, the odds makers are thinking round one KO or round one win by Conor McGregor. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I I've gone back and forth on this about does he finish Conor and, and when about does he finish Conor? Uh, or, or sorry, when does he finish Dustin? And, and you know what? I I do think Connor finishes him early. Okay. I do. Often when when I go about with my gut, I think Connor will probably finish him in the first or second. Okay. That's it. Seems to be when he's the most deadliest. Now here's a question. Hold up. Before you get into this, over one point five rounds. Yeah. One point eight three. Very good value there. If you can get over that two and a half minutes in the second round. Yeah. So, so here's the thing, okay. and, and, and I'll, this is an extension on your point. But then I thought about it more, and I said, well, Dustin's going to be a lot bigger this time around. So will Connor. But Dustin seems to take a punch a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, you can still flash knock him out. We saw Michael Johnson do that. Okay. I started to think, Dustin's this will be his second tap at it. There's a lot more footage on Connor McGregor. He's going to be a, l- a lot more mature going into this fight. I think he's going to take the first round off. I think he comes out the first round slow. I think it's a lot of a feel-out process. I think he knows Connor's game has been evaluated so much. There's been so many experts that have broken down his fighting style. Yeah, uh, Poirier's coaches have got to know that. They've got to know. And as Dustin going into this fight, he's got to know that this is the probably one of the biggest fights of his career. This might be equivalent or slightly less than the Khabib fight in the sense that there's so much on the line here. If he loses to Connor again, I don't want to say shots of a title shot are, are but completely it's, it's eroded. True, though. He's pretty much done, right? Like it's unfortunately, it, it, you hate to say it. Connor has come out and said he's going to make a masterpiece of that. If he, he can KO or uh, Dustin again, it'll be reinforcing that whatever Connor says about Dustin, he's got his number. Yeah. I think Dustin takes it slow. So you know what? If you want to go and over 1.5, or potentially even an under 2.5. Yeah. Or sorry. Yeah, no. If you want to go in over 1.5, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. Okay. Going to be completely honest. I could see a world where this fight goes a little bit longer than most people expect. Yeah. So even even looking at uh, over two and a half rounds, mm-hmm. so getting into the third round, uh, getting past that two and a half minutes there, 2.62. There is value there. Yeah. But, but I wouldn't. If you're suggesting that, I would just take the one and a half because at 1.83, that's still value. 100%. And I, I, I really like that play. Yeah. The way you kind of told me about this. And yeah, yeah Dust, or, uh, Connor's taking time off, right? Yeah. Uh, Dustin, like you said, more mature, bigger. Um, and 
feel out process, you know, like. And it's a totally different thing to come in and fight Cowboy Cerrone. Oh, absolutely. And Dustin Poirier. Yes. When it's come out now that Cowboy Cerrone said that the day of the fight, leading up to the fight week, he didn't want to be there. Yeah. You know, I think it was, I think it was Stephen A. Smith that said that it, it appeared Cowboy didn't want to be there. He got tons of shit all over Twitter by MMA fans. And then it comes out later, Cowboy admits he doesn't. Dustin is built differently. I, You know what? I, I, I remember an article I read by a gentleman who interviewed a fighter by the name of Jonathan Brookins. Okay? okay. I don't think he fights in the UFC anymore. But the point is, Jonathan Brookins fights Dustin Poirier at the weigh-ins. Dustin Poirier leans to him and says, I want this more than you. Jonathan Brookins stood back and said, yeah, you fucking do. Dustin Poirier is built differently. I can only imagine the mental game that's going on in his head right now, knowing the world doesn't think he stands a chance. Yeah. I And I hate to say, I don't think he beats Connor, but I think, you know what? He can make it a bit more of a tough fight and he can last a bit longer than it, people expect. So T-Man, I'm just taking a quick look here. Take a quick glance at these rounds. Now this is a risk. Yeah. But if you can get out of the first round, yeah, you take either of them to win in round two or three, you're looking at oh, wow. 4.33 odds that- and then 8.5 odds for yeah. either of them to win. Yeah. In round two and round three. Yeah. You just got to get out of that first round and then you're looking all right. Yeah. Do you see this fight going the distance? You know what? I don't see this fight going the distance, but here's what I'll, I'll tell I'll tell the, the, the folks listening. If it gets out of the first round, I think round two and three are your your rounds to see your big money rounds, right? Big money rounds. I think if it hits the fourth round, if the, if the bell rings are starting the fourth round, I think it goes to decision. Okay. Uh, Because the one thing about Connor is there's been a lot of talk about Connor's cardio and there's been always this discussion about Connor's cardio is not the greatest. And it all stems from the first Nate Diaz fight. Connor throws the kitchen sink at him. Nate Diaz takes it on the chin, gets dropped a few times, but in the second round, he starts pushing a pace. Connor is tired. Here's the thing. Connor fights at such a uh, kinetic pace. Uh, He's so aggressive, and when he throws, he throws everything into it. He is going to slow down. You just, no matter how good your cardio, no no matter how expensive of a team that you have that builds you a a strength and conditioning program, you're going to get tired if you fight that way. Um, So if he gets to the third round, or sorry, the fourth round, I had said, I, I don't expect to finish simply because I think there'll be a little less a pop on his yeah. punch. Okay. One thing that I thought was really interesting that I had heard is that points to Dustin Poirier has fought some extremely heavy hitters as of late after meeting Conor McGregor. Take a look at this. He fights Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje. He fights Max Holloway, who isn't an extremely heavy hitter, but still it's Max Holloway. And if you look at the performance he just had, yeah. uh, nothing nothing to be upset about. That was uh, something for uh, for the fans, that's for sure. Justin Gaethje is arguably uh, an equivalent heavy hitter compared to, say, Conor McGregor. Conor is better at setting up the shots, and he hides the shots better. Therefore, it probably does a little bit more damage. But Dustin Poirier has gone in some wars with some extremely strong individuals. So you know what? The more the more that we're, we're talking about this, I do like the idea of an over 1.5 or potentially even an, an under, or sorry, an over 2.5. Yeah, one point five is definitely what I would lean. And again, I might eat my words because, like I said, Connor is promising a masterpiece here. Yeah, and that's what we discuss. If you can get through the first round, yeah, you, there's value after that, right? Hundred percent. You just got to get through the first round, and that's going to yeah. be the biggest question mark. Yeah. And you know what? It's tough in this fight because a lot of the value has been eroded. He's a big name. You're going to get a lot of uh, um, uh, 
casuals who are going to come in and bet this. But T-Man, Connor's been out for a while, hasn't he? He's been out for a year. I mean, he, he said he was going to do the big return season, and then he fought Cowboy, and then COVID happened. So he had no interest in fighting. Yeah. Dustin Poirier, albeit he's still been out for a little bit, he's, he's remained active. He fought during COVID. He fought Dan Hooker. Um, and that was back in June 27th. So du- here's the thing. Dustin's known this fight has been going on for a little bit. Yeah. He's probably been training extremely hard extremely high motivation yeah this is you know the, he wants a second crack the, at connor the here. first loss was tough for him yeah you know that he changed everything he went up to lightweight he changed how he fought became much more mature and reserved as a fighter i you know what i i think he's going to surprise a lot of people i think yeah. he can make it last i still think connor wins but yeah i you know what the more we discuss it i i definitely do think there's some value on an over 1.5 awesome so are you going to make that an official player? Or are you going to make that a lean? You know what? Let, let's just make that a lean. Okay. So let's not get carried but away. But again, if you decide you're going to change your mind and make an official play, you'll notify Twitter. Hundred um, percent at Heavy Hitters nine four. So, um, yeah, lean in Connor McGregor, Dustin Poirier over one point five rounds at one point eight three. And and like you said, if we can get out of the first round there, I I completely agree. I I see great value in that. Um, did you have any other thoughts, or what? Uh, what are we? What are we thinking for uh, this uh, Saturday card? Honestly, I'm just I'm really excited for this card. Um, I think we covered exactly the the fights that I had wanted to touch on. You know, there's. Do you want to discuss your official plays and and your leans just one more time on exactly what they are and who they are? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. All right. So starting off from the beginning, we had Khalil Roundtree against Marcin Fracinio. This yeah. is going to kick off the preliminary card on ESPN. We're taking Khalil Roundtree, but here's the thing. We're taking him to win in the first round. Okay. You can get that for plus 100, yeah. uh, so 2.0. I love those. Is that uh, a lean or an official play? No, that is going to be official play. And we're not putting a full unit down here, folks. We're oh, doing, yes, that is unit. your half unit. Half okay. unit, yeah. Awesome. Moving on, we got Brad Tavares against Antonio Carlos Jr. This is a lean. I'm taking the underdog in Antonio Carlos Jr., I just like what he brings to the table. I think it's going to be a dirty affair, though. Here, here's the thing. I don't think anyone's getting finished. If somebody can finish somebody, it's going to be Antonio. Yeah. But we're leaning Antonio Carlos Jr. Moving on, Dan Hooker, Michael Chandler. Tough one, really tough one. Uh, this is going to be a banger. Let me tell you, I could see this getting fight of the night. Uh, Dan Hooker, I'm leaning here. Uh, it's tough, though. Michael Chandler's no slouch. I think if Michael Chandler came out and wrestled and was able to use his uh, striking and hurt hooker a bit i think that's his best pass to victory but i think i think he's just going to want to stand and bang and i think if he stands in uh, uh strikes with hooker the longer it goes the more it favors hooker i think hooker just doesn't get tired throws straight punches up the middle uh got you gotta love that this will be a lean though again yeah. because i uh i just really don't know what to expect out of chandler i don't know what we're gonna get moving on main event Holy last one shit. here dustin poirier conor mcgregor i'm leaning conor mcgregor um, but here's the problem. It's just no value in uh, Conor McGregor to win um, by the KO prop. I mean, unless you're going to parlay it, it's not the greatest. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? I, I like the possibility of it lasting a bit longer. And the over 1.5, well, it is risky because yeah. I know we've come out and we've seen Conor just blow people out of the water as of late. I think Poirier is going to be a bit more disciplined in this. I think he's a bit more mature. It's going to be much more... Uh, uh, physically stronger for this matchup. I think yeah. he's going to take the shots a bit better. Uh, give me over 1.5. At 1.83? Yeah. Now that, that a lean? That That is a lean. Um, yeah. But you know what? Uh, there's a good chance that might become a play. Keep 
check Twitter. Yeah. Th- that'll likely be last. So yeah, those are the UFC picks. Stapes? Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, I uh, I enjoyed what you had to say. I really, I'm really tempted on that uh, over one and a half in uh, in Connor and Dustin. I really like that play for what you told me about Dustin coming out a little bit stronger uh, and you know more mature and uh, you know he's going to be ready for this. Uh, second tilt with Connor. I, I I can really if it gets through the first round, I really expect to get over that uh, two minutes and thirty seconds in the in the uh, second round. So uh, I really like that play. Uh, I'm gonna trust you on that one. Um, but yeah, no other than that. Looking for a uh, solid weekend here coming up. Um, hopefully we're gonna be profitable. Um, but again, remember it all starts tomorrow with our first uh, soccer match and. Uh, and then we get on to Saturday with a couple more and then uh, UFC at night. So this will, uh, again, this is what we live for, right? We talk about it every week, um, but we're here. Here we are. It's Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. And uh, you know what? Just makes going to bed at night that much better. Waking up knowing it's the weekend. Fuck it. I love it. Stapes, as per usual, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Let's uh, let's have a good weekend and we'll uh, we'll talk back on Monday. Awesome.